You're listening to the Communicate with Confidence podcast with me, your host, Luke Maxwell. This podcast is dedicated to helping you build confidence, increase your communication skills, and journey with me in the pursuit of what you need most in life. I am a public speaker, entrepreneur, and I'm here to give you the best of my knowledge in this episode number 122 to share some experiences I've had this week, my mistakes, and how I've learned from that. And today, I want to talk to you about the four-minute mile. Now, I was hoping to get my buddy Devin on the podcast today, but schedules did not align, so it's just me talking to you about this. Um, and who knows? It might be better because Devin and I, we tend to go on tangents. Um, you can check out our tangents in our new podcast called Overthinking, available on all podcast networks and overthinkingpodcast.com. Um, bit of a philosophy, fun times with friends podcast. Um, but... It's just me here talking to you about the four-minute mile, and it was originally Devin who broached this to me and reminded me that this existed. And the reason why the four-minute mile is important, if you haven't heard the story, is that for a long time, people thought it was physically impossible to run a mile in four minutes. They thought the human body just physically could not do it. And this was the long-held belief in running. But the thing is, finally, one day... Uh, a guy named Roger Bannister beat the four-minute mile on uh, in 1954 uh, with a t- uh, the minute of of three minutes fifty-nine and four tenths of a second. So he was point <laughs> a sixth of a second less than four minutes, but it was still record-breaking and mind-blowing because it was believed to be impossible. But what happened afterwards is actually the really important thing: is that only forty-six days later. Another person broke the record, and this time with a second under Roger Bannister's. And then, a year later, three more people broke the barrier in a single race. And now, thousands of people constantly are breaking that barrier of four minute, of the four-minute mile. And the thing about this is that, yes, um, uh, with running... There's not a whole lot of technology that can get it better. Sure, we make him maybe make better clothes and better shoes, but at the end of the day, not a whole lot can actually change when it comes to running versus any other sport that involves any kind of mechanics, such as biking or skiing or any kind of like that, that we can improve the technology and then get faster times. The important, the, the interesting thing about this is about the idea of limiting beliefs. And... What this shows us is a real-life example of how a limiting belief can keep you from achieving greatness. And this is, the, this is the example, is that once people saw that it could be done, immediately people started breaking it. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't like years later someone else finally did it again and he was, just Bannister was the outlier for, you know, years or decades. No, a month later someone did it. And then the next year, three more people did it in the same race. And so, and then people kept on more and more and more people kept breaking this record. So it kind of shows us that there's something beyond just the right timing and the right person, right? And they say, oh, this guy was just a good runner. No, <laughs> it was a lot. And so you can see that, that this is an example of the power of limiting beliefs to where if you believe something is impossible, you will not achieve it. And the challenge I have for you today and what I kind of took from this is what do I believe is impossible in my own life? What do I believe can't happen? What do I believe maybe can only happen 
way later down the road than I'm capable of now. And I went through my life and I was like, okay, what do I think is impossible? And what what really matters? Like, what's the what's the limiting belief that actually matters? Obviously, like I believe it's impossible for me to just like you know get up and fly or use the force, right? Even though we all try, I know we all try. It's okay, and there's no shame in that. Um, I believe it's impossible. Doesn't mean I'm gonna try to do it, right? That doesn't right that that limiting belief doesn't have an impact on my life. Okay, I mean it does, but it's also a reality. And so, um, an exa- for uh, so an example of a real limiting belief is I took a look at my business and what I'm doing and what I want to achieve, and I realized that a huge limiting belief is that I have a hard time making big sales. Um, in all my sales experience, a lot of most all of it has been you know under I want to say under two thousand, maybe under three. Maybe under three, I think, or, or under four. I forget what the big, I think the biggest sale I've made was $3,000 or something like that. At one time, one, my biggest single sale, right, of something. And I'm pretty sure that was a speaking, well, it was a, a series of speaking engagements. And so I realized that's my biggest sale ever. And now I'm working in sales. Now my entire job is to sell large quantities of products and for my uh, family's promotional products business. And I think I, I think I made a podcast about that. If not, sorry, I life's been a whirlwind right now. Uh, I finally got everything. I finally have my space set up after weeks. Um, and so I realized I'm like, oh, that's my limiting belief. Okay, so what do I believe is impossible? And I was like, well, I don't think I've never. What I think is impossible for me to make a profit, me personally, right after cuts and profits and all that kind of stuff. Me to make a profit of over a hundred k in a year, I like that's. A, I was like, that's a huge limiting belief for me. I don't really believe that's possible. But then I ran numbers. I'm like, okay, well, let's look at the numbers. Let's see if this is actually impossible. I put open Excel spreadsheet. I did math about okay. Here's what the company has sold in the past. This is what I, it would take to get this number of clients at these different price points. And I realized, oh wait a minute, actually. It's kind of possible. I mean, I still believe I. I still don't believe I can do it. But if I just run, if I look at these numbers on this on this spreadsheet, I can see exactly what I need to do when I know I can do this. I know that this number of clients at this price point isn't isn't impossible. And so, my goal then, my job then, moving forward was, okay. Well, how do I not succumb to my limiting belief, though? Because it's a very a limiting belief is not a logical thing; it's an emotional thing, and emotions do not change easily. Especially if you're like me and you're very—I don't know—even know empathetic, um, emotive. Maybe emotive is the best word. I tend to trust my gut. I trend. I tend to trust um, how I feel about a situation more than my knowledge about a situation. Um, simply because most of what I do is on the fly, such as you know speaking and sales and all that kind of stuff, which happens instantaneously. I don't have time to think about things. Um, also, it's a little bit of an excuse. We'll get into excuses. Oh boy, probably maybe next week if I feel up to it. It's a big subject for me about excuses, and uh, it's something I, I feel very passionate about. Um, but at the same time, it's very uncomfortable for me to talk about my own excuses so maybe maybe next week we'll talk about excuses uh we'll see what comes up and so right so what had to happen is i realized that because this is my limiting belief i couldn't trust myself to achieve this 
I had to make this beyond myself in two different ways. One, the first way is I had to make the goal bigger than myself. I had to make it about other people. I had to make it about the like the world in general, right? Because if I laid it about myself, then it's stuck inside my own head, in my own space, in my own world, and my and it's stuck in my own limiting beliefs. And so the first step I had to make is I had to say, what do I want to actually achieve? What do I want that's bigger than me? Why do I want this? Is it because I want to make 100K? Sure, that'd be cool. But does that really matter to me? No, it never has. That's why in every business I've ever sold, it's always been small sales because I've always just wanted enough to cover me and cover and cover my and cover my revenue and that's all I've ever really wanted. Um, and so, cause I don't really, I don't know what to do with money. I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do with stuff? I don't want stuff. If anything, I want less stuff than I own right now. Um, it's really not important to me. Um, what's important to me is people. I was like, okay, let's make this about people then. Why do I want to sell, you know, uh, well, eventually like with costs and commissions and all that kind of stuff, it'd have to be a half a million dollars in, in sales, right? I have to sell, I have to sell that much to profit a hundred K around that. It's, it's all, that's a bit of a estimation because also, also different things have different markups and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I was like, okay, why do I want this? And I realized that. And I visualize this, okay? This is how I, and this is how I really work is I have to visualize something, I have to see it, I have to see it in action. And when I saw this in action, this is what changed me, is that I saw myself handing over um, business cards to pe- to somebody and then them looking at it and then them just having the biggest smile on their face. Now, there's a couple of reasons why this vision, <laughs> vision, <laughs> I'm not a mystic, uh, I don't believe in that stuff, but uh, <laughs> there's a reason why this came to me, is that, number one, okay, it has, to, it has to do with the people that I want to help, right, so I'm not selling to them, I'm helping them, that's a big change in my mind, that's the way I've always thought about sales, but I wanted to reinforce that in my mind, is that when I'm selling someone, my focus is to help them. And I know that, and the reason why I started to take over the sales and marketing of my family business is because I saw all the good it could do and for other people's businesses. It's a B2B, right? And I love helping people grow their business. And I thought I've seen this as a practical, easy, usually inexpensive way to help grow your business. So I was like, okay, sweet. This is, it's about this person. Okay, cool. Now, what am I giving to them? Now, this essence of businesses, right? Of a person in business is their business card, right? That is, it sums up everything that you do and who you are in a three by five or a two and a half, by whatever, you know, whatever size you get um, card. And so I was like, okay, or two by three, that, that's, that's the size. That's a typical size. So like, okay, cool. That is the thing that sums them up. This is something that I sell. It's not a profit maker at all. Like, it does not make me a lot of money. And that's good because then I'm not focusing on the money. I'm focusing on the person again, right? And so then I went, okay, this business card, I can see this. I can see them. I can see them with their business card, which I can give them. It's something everybody needs, and it's all about them. It's not about me because I don't make much money from them. I make, like, a few dollars from, you know, giving, sort of selling someone business cards. And then... I was like, wait a minute, that's not enough. 
And I went the extra mile. I was like, okay. And they have the biggest smile on their face from seeing it. And the reason why this really stuck out to me is because I've spent so much time in digital marketing. And in digital marketing, things aren't real. <laughs> you see images, you see numbers, like you're like, okay, cool. And for me, being tactile and being able to, being emotive and wanting to feel things and see things, right? Is this was so powerful to me because all of a sudden, like being able, I remember creating business cards, um, and like, and because I, I create, I, I do all the graphics for all my own business cards, right? And I'll do the graphics. I'm like, cool, awesome. When I get them, I can't believe they're real. Like, there's, they're so exciting to me. To something that just was pixels on a screen is now real. And I love seeing my own business cards, except when there's a few mistakes that I make. You know, and we all, we all do that. And so that's the kind of, that's the cycle, right? Um, is that. That's how I kind of went around creating that vision. A lot of it was just I was I was uh, putting logic behind this after the fact because again I'm very emotive. I do things on instinct. Um, and I was like, oh, this is why I thought this. This is why I did this. Um, it was just I was my brain was just taking shortcuts along that way. And so that's how and so that's why I encourage you that that first step is that what do you want to see happen? What's an image in your mind that can propel you forward? to have this result, right? To have this vision become reality, right? What will it take? And that's a huge thing for me is to have that vision in my mind to see it. I'm like, yes, I want this. And then of course, um, you know, that vision just gets expanded with whatever product, you know, I'm selling it because they sell like thousands and tens of thousands of different products. Um, so that's, that's the first step, right? Is to have that vision of what you want to happen as a result of you, right? Achieving this goal. And moving forward. The second thing, and really think, and so before, wait, before the second thing, just, and also to clarify, you know, it should be bigger than yourself, because when it's in yourself, you're, you're in your head, and it should be tactile, it should be something physical, it should be something that you can feel and see and imagine and smell, like something, right? And it gets hard in a lot of different industries, um, use your imagination, You do what works for you, right? But the second thing is I was like, that's not enough because I'm still in my own imagination. I'm still in my own head. So I have to take it beyond me with another person. And so Devin and I, speaking of Devin, this is why I kind of wanted him on the podcast. We started a mastermind. We started a mastermind for other like-minded young entrepreneurs, or not even young entrepreneurs, just entrepreneurs um, who had a similar mentalities, a similar goals, like similar mindsets to us to where we're bootstrapping, we're going, and we're going to achieve something great, Right. And so we started that, we pair off an accountability partners. And so me and my accountability partner, we check in every day, like, okay, what's the most important thing for you to achieve today to get to that goal? That vision that you have, what's the most important thing you could possibly do today to move you closer to that goal or to achieve that goal right now? And that's what we check in every day. We have a productivity sheet. I mean, he created it. It's wonderful. I might, I might, I might ask him if I could get it, get this, uh, because it's a it's a beautiful beautiful sheet for accountability partners, uh, but and it's it, it's really great because this brings this beyond myself. It gets me out of my own head. I can bounce ideas off of someone else, but also if I don't achieve something, it's not me going. I didn't achieve that. Darn it! It's someone else going. Well, okay, why didn't that happen? And then I'm able to work out. You know, why did this not happen? Why what went wrong? Okay, this is what we could do in the future. 
get get the most important thing for solopreneurs, right? Is to get you outside of your own head. To get you outside of your own right bedroom or, or office, right? Wherever most solopreneurs, you work out of your bedroom. Oh, <laughs> most that I know anyway. Um, and so uh, um, that's really that's really the most important thing is to get out of that headspace, especially if you don't work in sales. Because if you don't work in sales, well, I mean, as a solopreneur, you you are the salesman. But um, if you're not, if your entire job isn't doing sales, then it gets very easy to sit inside your own space, inside your own head. And and then all of a sudden it becomes about yourself, and then things go downhill, because the self is not a good motivation. Um, it's really not. Um, it just does. It, it's not as fulfilling as doing things for yourself and others. As society, we're just wired that way. We're just, we're social beings. If we do something socially for people, for the good of people socially, then it feels good. We all know this. And um, it's interesting to me though. Along that line, though, is that sometimes is that we tend to stay like we we sometimes we have a tendency to stay away from things that are good for us because it's scary, it's unknown, and that's the I think that's the other the final thing I really want you to leave with is that like if you are walking along a road and you see someone um, trip and fall and hurt themselves, obviously they're hurt, like whatever whatever they break there are like whatever. Going out of your way from wherever you're doing, it changes your plans and it makes the future unknown. And that's scary. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much practice you have in whatever frightening experience, right? It's scary. And you have no idea what's going to happen. And it's safer or it's more comfortable, I should say. To go along what you were doing, ignore them. That's why you have stories of people like bleeding out um, as people are walking by. Number one, because of the bystander effect is you think someone else will help them, um, but that really stems from being scared of the unknown and seeing and knowing not knowing what would happen because it might have a negative result. You might get hurt. And but if you go along your your path, that feels comfortable. That feels safe. And therefore, you think, oh, I can't, I won't get hurt this way. Whereas reality, the future is always unknown. It's just our perspective, our routines, the things that we do, they feel like they're known. All of a sudden, we feel like we know the future. And that's a dangerous place to be. I've worked, I've, I've been working really hard to not fear the unknown. To not just stick with my little routines and to get out of my comfort zone. And I've talked about this before. I made videos about this. I made so long podcast. I've done so much about this idea, but I'm gonna reiterate it because it's been a year or so since I have talked about it. Is the comfort zone versus the safety zone? When we're talking about this, we want to stay. We always want to stay inside of our safety zone because if we go outside the safety zone, then it's dangerous. It's not helpful, right? We get hurt. Um. But inside the safety zone, there's a smaller circle. That's the comfort zone. We can step out of our comfort zone and be safe. And sometimes, though, the safety zone and the comfort zone are, are separate. And we're inside of our comfort zone and being hurt. I know this as someone who suffers from a lot of depression and anxiety. Is that the comfort zone is oftentimes being by myself, staying in my bed, being you know in a dark room, um, not interacting with people. That's comfortable to be. But that's not safe. It's not good. Um, so call the safety zone whatever you want if you don't like the idea of being safe. Whatever. I don't care. 
but the fact is that those two zones exist. And it's hard to def define them because it's hard to see what's safe and what's not. Um, and that's why you need to step outside your comfort zone, take steps, then take leaps, and then see, you know, and then test out the walls of that safety zone, you know, see where they lie. Otherwise, you're going to get nowhere. Otherwise, you're just, you're not, nothing will change. And if you're in a place right now where you want to change, then you have to step out your side, your comfort zone, because doing the same thing you always do isn't going to work. And it's uncomfortable. And I feel, I feel a chill down my spine when I think I'm doing something that I'm not comfortable with. I hate it. I hate it so much. But also, once you start doing it, it's a little bit thrilling. <laughs> I'll admit. <laughs> it's a little thrilling. Uh, actually, it's pretty thrilling to do things you're uncomfortable with. And see, the thing is, like, it's it can be small things too, okay? Even in your personal life. For example, I'm going to go – well, this is going to be – oh, this is posted tomorrow. Uh, um I'm going to be going to a St. Patrick's Day party, which I've never actually done before because, I, one, I hate parties. Two, um, I never – most of my – I had, you know, one or two friends that were actually able to drink um, when I when I was able to drink, and then they moved away. So – and also, I just don't know people who throw parties, which is fine with me because – and I hate, I hate that type of social gathering. It's very uncomfortable for me. I want the point. I want the sale. I you put you stick me in front of an auditorium with three thousand people, boom, I'm good. You stick me in a networking group with a bunch of strangers in a strange place, boom, I'm good, right? And I've done those things, and I feel great. That's my comfort zone. The problem is outside my comfort zone is like a social party without a point. I'm just having fun. I'm like, no, having fun, no. What's the point of this? I want to get something out of this. I want to achieve something, right? Uh, I want a result. And the thing that with, with something like this is that, oh, there isn't a tangible result or achievement. And so that's how, that be, instantly becomes uncomfortable for me. But it's with my friends and people I trust, so obviously it's safe, right? Um, so, that's a, so that's a thing that I want you to really consider as a final point for this is get outside your own head, have a concrete vision of what you want to achieve, of what four-minute mile you want to break, and why. Then pick it outside of yourself with someone else. Whether I mean, it's best to be in person, but online is fine too. My calendar penalty partner and I are online. Um, and then, finally, step outside your comfort zone, because otherwise nothing will change. And no amount of accountability partners, no amount of visualizing, no amount of courses or strategies, right, or, or gurus telling you how to achieve, you know, your million-dollar business, nothing will change if you don't step, step outside of your comfort zone. I hope this was helpful. You can find um, this podcast on, well, I mean, subscribe. Please subscribe on whatever, whatever your favorite podcast listening to, uh, your favorite podcast listening platform is. There we go. I got it. Um, if they allow ratings, please rate it. It's the best way to actually, I rate all your, po all podcasts you listen to, by the way, it's the best way you can support a podcast is by rating it. Truly. Uh, you can check me out. Uh, my website is still down because of server problems, but, uh, at, <laughs> you can, you can find the podcast, all the episodes at, uh, cwcpodcast.com. That's communicate with podcast, communicate with confidence podcast.com. I'm starting to get a little stuffy, but we're okay. We're powering on. Thank you so much for listening. Do what you love. And remember to always stay on the positive side of things. Mm -hmm.